Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Trench in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And uh, we just love hanging out and having host people. We're uh, located uh, kind of, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes northwest of Green Bay. Yep. You know, uh, so right in the heart of the Northwoods. Right in the middle of nowhere. Right in the middle of nowhere. But it's great. That's why we're here. It is. Because it helps you unplug, get away. Um, if you've never been here before, I encourage you to head over to silvertrench.org. Uh, we do plenty of retreats. We do men's retreats, ladies' retreats. We do mother-daughter retreats, father-son retreats, father-daughter retreats, um, everything in between. And, and you can create your own special one. we got this yeah. place called the Wolf River Refuge as well, which yep. is a little different. And what can people do there? And people could do the same thing over there. It's a little bit more of a smaller setting. So if you have a... You know, I know a lot of churches do life groups now uh, or like small groups. Uh, perfect setting for that because we, we have like seven or eight cabins and a nice meeting room. And uh, it's just a nice place for discipleship and life on life to happen. So same sort of thing allows you to unplug from the busyness of life to rest, um, to reconnect and and really enjoy being with God apart from distraction. So I encourage you, yeah, wolferrefuge.org, silverstranch.org, or just go to, you know, silverstranch.org and you check out all of those ministries, including Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that we host as well. So lots going on here, all with the purpose of coming alongside of you so that you can enjoy God and, and grow in your relationship with him. So Yeah, you know, you need to get away from your norm. You really do, because you need to be awed every once in a while by something that you're just not normally seeing. Yeah. And uh, going into the Northwoods especially, you can do that. A lot of lakes, rivers, just the woods itself, and different activities, different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to pause from, from life once in a while and get excited about something new and different. Yep. Uh, I would encourage everybody, have goals of trying something new every year. Just have, you know, you don't have to become an expert at it, but it enriches your life if mm-hmm. you can do certain things. And it gives you something to do instead of watching a screen. Yeah, that's for sure. And watching the screen is getting scarier. I read this morning that they have this uh, this news right now that is totally, um, what is it? It it looks like people saying the news. I forget what they call those things. AI. It is they? AI, but, but even the people are. Oh, really? So the news is coming, and it looks like it's coming from people, but it's not. Huh. And it's not even written by people. Huh. And I thought, okay, I'm never going to know what's right and wrong and true. and, and I'm never going to know. Because huh. I'm looking at this going, those people look real, and AI wrote all the news. Hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking down the road at our nation. I'm thinking, this is nuts. Yeah. That's... Because we're losing, we're losing touch with reality, and that's Satan's playground. Right. You know, I mean, his his big tool is deception, and deception is basically a lie that you believe. And when I was just looking at the, that report, it was just more news about it and how it's going that direction. I thought, I would not know they're not real. Yeah. And, and That's crazy. Of course, some might say, does it matter? It's news. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I haven't watched news yeah, in a long well, time. I read news. Yeah. So I would say for those living in the city, if you haven't experienced some really good watching news, I don't even know if our, our local stations do this or not, but there's something different about rural news. Yes. You know, when the cow crosses the road, man. Yeah. That's big news. Well, we have always enjoyed the, the you know, growing up in Chicago and then coming up to the Northwoods, we've always in, enjoyed the local news a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, because it is more personable. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. 
Uh, I'm going to skip a couple of these charts. If you've been listening to us, we've been going through these. The Pew Research went and uh, basically was talking about uh, how parents uh, think about raising children in this day and age. Yep. And there's Parenting thoughts. in America today. Yeah, yep. Pretty simple. So here's one chart that kind of caught my attention. It says fewer than half of parents placed a lot of importance on their children sharing their religious and political beliefs. Fewer than half. That's that's, yeah. that's amazing. But let me read the chart here because it's kind of weird. It is. Yeah. Okay. Because it says what's extremely important is for people to be honest and ethical. The next thing that's most important to them is that they be hardworking. The next would be be someone who helps others in need. Okay. Those are all good things. Yep. The next be accepting of people who are different than them. Okay. That's fine. The next one, be ambitious. And then it gets down to where it's really, we don't really care. Have a similar religious belief of their own. Have a similar political belief of their own. And political is the least, which I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, but religious belief, down to 17% think it's extremely important. Yeah. 17% of parents today think what they believe spiritually is important for their kids. Yeah. That's, that's, that's striking. Now, you know, can I suggest that if you don't think it's important for your kids, it's probably not important and you need to go find another church? Yeah. And and, and, and it almost seems like this graph seems backwards to me. Yeah. You know, because you look at, you know, be honest and ethical, be hardworking, be someone who helps others and eat like, you know, if we're talking about pursuing God, you know, especially as I as I teach my boys, I got three boys at home, you know, and as I, as I teach them to love God, God and because of what Jesus has done on the cross for them, like these are things that are a product of that. Right. You know, and so if I want them to do these things, I need them to understand the relationship with God. Right. And that's what's backwards to me with this graph is is they want the the end without the beginning. Right. And if you're a teacher, you know there's a cause effect that you teach kids, well they want the effect cause. Yeah. Which is not how you teach. No, you, and, you, and it never works like that. No. But but what grabs me, too, are some of the words here. Be honest and ethical. Okay, what is ethics? What is ethical? Yeah. I, I, ethical, you know, now I teach. <laughs> I, I, it's one of those words I couldn't tell you. I mean, technically, we have an ethics yeah. committee in the Senate. Yeah, well, you what, know. I, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I digress. No, I, no, I teach <laughs> ethics. And, I'm, and whenever I hear somebody talk about ethics and they don't have an absolute, I go, how do you teach that? Yeah. Ethics demands an absolute. And and if there's no God and there's no absolute, how in the world do you even use the word? Uh-huh. Um, it, what's interesting is where the word etho- ethics comes from. It comes from the word ethos. Mm-hmm. That means animal stall. Animal stall. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you think about that, that makes sense because uh, I used to work with the horses here at Silver Birch Ranch. The stall was a safe place. If you look at a horse, they got eyes on the side of their head. They have ears that move around all the time, so their head's always moving around. They're actually animals that sleep standing up. Mm-hmm. They're actually ready to run because lions, tigers, and bears and oh all my. that stuff are out there. Yeah, see, and they're they're going to get them. So so they're always in a place where they're they're kind of nervous, mm-hmm. except for the stall. Yeah, the stall is the safe place where they're cared for. <laughs> it's a safe place. Yeah. And they get cared for. So the horses used to come in, and and they knew when they came in I was going to throw some oats in this box. So they were kind of goofy because they were anxious to eat the oats. And you've heard people say, you eat like a horse. Well, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, they, they like their oats. And so they, they're all anxious for that. But most of the time, after I fed them the oats and threw some hay in the manger, they would fall asleep. Hmm. They'd stand there and just fall asleep. Why? Yeah. No longer do they need to look around. They don't need to be concerned. They're in a safe place that cares for them. Yeah. That's what an animal stall is. So when you think of ethics, you're thinking a safe place that cares. You're thinking about absolutes. You're thinking about removing the dangers. Mm -hmm. That would be ethics. So if I'm ethical with you, I'm concerned with removing the dangers and being somebody who cares for you and that kind of thing. Now I'm being ethical as I go forward. Without God, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do that in any ways anyway. Right. And and I would say that this graph just exemplifies the confusion that's in our world today. Right. You know, because if 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 we understand our relationship with God, it's a lifestyle. Right. And so and so these things, you know, being honest and hard working and caring for others, those naturally come out of our understanding of who God is and his relationship with us. Right. You know, like we were saying, and so that's that's where the confusion is 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 I think a lot of people are trying to separate put in boxes almost yep and even hard some of these things are comparative terms so you don't know what they mean right yeah like like hard working okay what does that mean i mean what does that actually mean hard working in a culture where there's been more jobs available than anybody else because nobody wants to work right how does that work yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it's a very interesting little chart you know it, and to flip the side on the ethical thing you know a lot of people say well you know i'm a person of high morals well, once again, I would go to the root word from morals, which is mores, which means shifting. Uh-huh. Morals actually shift through time. They go with culture. They go with, you know, when, when you and I were kids, um, I don't know if you ever watched Leave it to Beaver. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, always, if they ever showed the parents' bedroom, it had separate twin beds that were made. Huh. Yeah, that's the culture we grew up in. Yeah. Now, that that's not what they show. Yeah. So what, what what that is is morals. See, the mores shift like the ocean, like the waves, they, they shift. Yeah. The ethics do not shift. That's a safe place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I find it interesting to even read these words and try and figure out what they're saying. Um, but. Yeah. It's definitely interesting for sure. And it makes you think, you know, especially as, as uh, parenting, you know, it, it is something that we need to acknowledge is – is a responsibility. Right. And I think even in our culture, we're moving away from that more and more because the family unit no longer is something that is valued. Right. You know, like even when I grew up, you know, you still had, you know, they use terms like nuclear family. Right. Which I, I, I don't even know if they teach that anymore. But now they use it as an explosive. It blew up the family. Basically. Right. Totally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so the whole context of parenting has changed. And, and I think that, that, Oftentimes, if if we're not being intentional, we're just allowing the world to become the parents. Absolutely. You know, like like even my situation, like I try to be um, intentional with my boys. You know, we we decide to to send our boys to public school. You know, that doesn't mean that um, I'm passing off the responsibility of discipleship to this to the school. Right. You know, to me, I look at it as all right. They're helping me teach my boys. You know, basics of education. Right. But even in that, I'm being intentional to continue to be involved. I want to understand what they're learning, help them along in the process. I'm not dropping off and be like, all right, done and dusted. My job's right. done now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that 
especially the way that our culture is driven. And we talked about this on other shows. Even the, even the school system has become, quote unquote, the family. Right. You look at how many extracurriculars there are now and how, you know, you look at the hours in a day that, that children are awake and how many hours they either spend at school, spend in an extracurricular activity or sport versus spending at home. Right. Like, to me, it's like, that's, n- in my mind, not healthy. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting how school has taken over a lot of the family. When they talk about um, even feeding kids at school. Yeah. A lot of places feed them two meals a day. Some yeah. feed them three meals a day. And they say because kids are hungry. And I'm thinking, where are the parents here? Yeah. In the United States of America, we have food. Yeah. You know, and what are the parents doing? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not for anyone being hungry, but let, let's train the parents that they have a responsibility here to take care of their children. Mm-hmm. And not only that, when we were kids, things are so different. I was just reading about a school in California who has hired a, a, a Michelin cook, a rated cook. Really? And they are starting to serve food that's just gourmet, and they're trying to make their school cafeteria look like a restaurant in hopes of, of um, having the kids have better grades and that kind of thing. Huh. And Now, what's very interesting is the kids are saying it's about time somebody showed how important we were. I mean, that's what they're saying. Oh, wow. And I remember when I went to school, I never thought that I was abused because I brought a bag lunch with a bologna sandwich in it. Well, even in the context I grew up, I mean, we had hot lunch is what we called it back in the day. Right. And it was like once every two months. And yep. it was something special. Other than that, every single kid brought a sack lunch. Right. You know, and that was part of part of growing up is you'd see what is in your lunch. You look at your friends be like, hey, I'll trade you this for that. Absolutely. You that know? would have taken away a lot of culture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like the highlight of lunch. It's like, man, what can I barter, you yeah. know, to get something good that – you know, my parents wouldn't give me that I can get from your parents. That's right. <laughs> well, I learned that you come in with a warm bologna sandwich, no one wants to burger. <laughs> and I actually used to like that kind of sandwich. I would leave it out in a room. It would get warm. It had mayo on it. And I love bologna. So it's like, ah, bologna. And people are looking at it going, I ain't trading you. I ain't trading no. you for anything. No. You know, and, and nowadays that you talk about that and kids are like, what? Yeah. You know, they don't understand that concept. Well, and the other thing, I mean, this is how culture shifted. Honestly, every day I had a bologna sandwich, five days a week. Yeah. I was fine. You know, I mean, it's like back then, you didn't have the variety pack no. that people have. Uh-uh. You know, there's a certain amount of lunch meats. You could have ham, you could have, you know, but there are a certain amount of lunch meats out there. Yep. And the cheapest was bologna. Yeah, bologna. I got bologna on white bread. You yeah. know what I mean, somehow, no, I, somehow I survived. No liver sausage sandwich. No, no, well, I think most people stayed away from that because of the smell. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh. that that would take the classroom down. <laughs> 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 yeah, but of course, you know, kids make fun of you. Yeah, you walked uphill both ways to school, whatever. I, I'm just saying, it's it's totally different when I hear a student saying, "Finally, I feel important because the school hired a Michelin chef." Now. When you think about it, the school basically said, oh, yeah, we've we've decided that's how we're going to use tax dollars. Yeah. To to pay for chefs and fancy restaurants. That's insane. For my eight-year-old to go to school and, and enjoy that kind of food. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, ooh, you know, I, I don't see necessarily evil in it. I'm just trying to wonder, what are they missing? What 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 is so, is this even a good idea? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I don't know. It's yeah. one of those things where you look at it and just wonder. 
time has certainly changed things. But learning to be content, I think for me, there's something valuable that I went through when I had baloney all those years, and I was content, and I learned that that was okay. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, I remember there was many years there because when I was younger, I didn't like peanut butter and jelly, but I like peanut butter. Right. So there'd be times I go to school week at a time having a peanut butter sandwich. There you go. And you know, somehow you survived. And I didn't die. Do you know, just between you and me, still to this day, sometimes when I go home, my wife and I just have a peanut butter sandwich for supper. Just a pe- not even jelly? No. Well, See? peanut butter and jelly. Oh, peanut butter oh, and peanut jelly. Peanut butter, you know, she used to have like peanut butter and, she doesn't anymore, but we used to have like peanut butter and bacon. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a very good sandwich. Try it sometimes. Huh. Just put strips of bacon on peanut butter and bread. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did she you get, fry it too and make it warm? Well, yeah. That, you, yeah. You, yeah. Sometimes no, sometimes yes. But she got that some weird place at some sandwich place when she was on vacation when she was a kid. Interesting. And, and so it's like peanut butter and bacon, very good combination. I could see that being good. Yeah. So that would be a fun thing to play with your kids sometimes is create on that homemade sourdough bread. Oh, yeah. Do a little bit of peanut butter and bacon. Yeah. One of my boys doesn't like peanut butter as much. Yeah. Until you make peanut butter balls, then it's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is good? Peanut butter and, and uh, brown sugar. Sugar, yeah. Anything with sugar. brown sugar on top of it. Oh, yeah. My boys will love you for yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Enough of this. Enough of Mouth that. Water yeah, that's things. right. Apologize. If you're now, another really. chart that I'm seeing here says mothers are more likely than fathers to say they're overprotective and give in too quickly. Oh. The reason I find this interesting is because our society seems to be trying to make everything equal all the time and really moms are different than dads Mm -hmm. and that's the way god made them and we ought to accept that and enjoy the difference in fact one of the great biblical principles i believe is that god made every human being different and that's why we're body part we're a knee we're an elbow whatever it might be and we should celebrate those differences Mm-hmm. And and I think in our culture we've tried to erase differences and make moms and dads of equal something. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. There's no way. My kids will tell you that mom and dad are different. I would tell you my mom and dad were different. Mm-hmm. And how they treated us and how they, you know, one is more nurturing. My, my dad would be the guy that would look and say, go fail. Mm-hmm. I'll watch you. Yeah. My mom would die from that. You know, I mean, it was like, how do I keep them from failing? Yeah. And my mom, you know, after a while, um, my mom was a great mom, but I could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. So I never could listen to her after a while because it was like, no matter what I did, it was right. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and I'm yeah. going, it wasn't. I just threw a rock at that kid. I wasn't right. I'm, oh, I'm sure Dave had justification for it. You know I mean? It's whatever it might be. It's like, no, mom, mm-hmm. I really didn't. I lost my cool. And dad got me on it, you know, and told me not to do that again. Yeah. Where you, on the other hand, were defending me the whole time. So I do think that everybody parents a little different. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. That moms and dads really need to spend a little time talking about how to uh, parent together. Yep. uh, And take advantage of the strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, again, with Linda, if you ever, uh, my wife, she she is a teacher first and foremost to every kid she ever met. Mm -hmm. So I don't care who it is that she sees that's young. She starts teaching them something. Yeah. That's in her brain. Me, I'll throw something at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, see if you can catch this. Boom, and I'll That's throw right. it real quick at him. Yep. Now, I could say I'm teaching him quick reflexes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm more into the sports side and the Yahoo side, you know, and she's going to be more into the 
nurturing side of things. Mm-hmm. And through the years, I've learned from her, and she's learned from me. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can you can adjust that. We we're not the same. And one of the great dangers of our culture today is trying to treat people the same or trying to let them decide they're the same. We're not. Let's celebrate the differences between men and women. Let's celebrate the differences in, in styles of even raising children. Yeah. And uh, to this day, people can talk about it when they're my age and look back at their parents and say, no, you wouldn't go to dad with that, but you go to mom. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because oh, yeah. they, they treat you different. Yeah. And there's nothing evil about that, you know, nothing evil. Uh, about a third of moms, nice chart, say being a parent is the most important aspect of who they are. Mm-hmm. So they're they're thinking their parenthood. So which is interesting because that would mean that people who aren't parents would they miss out on that? Do they still find importance in life? Yeah. I mean, some will identify the importance in life and, okay, getting married, having kids, but what about those that don't? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think we should find our importance the way God told us mm-hmm. we find it. Yeah. Because your kids may not. I have one child that's married, one that isn't. Yeah. And and both of them are healthy and both of them are understanding, you know, their place in life. And um, uh, there isn't a better or worse situation there. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what God has for him. Uh, mothers are more likely than fathers to say being a parent is tiring and stressful. I get that. Yeah, I can see that. I get that. I come home and just play with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, I think some of the the burden um, has been on moms. And, and whether they like it or not, some might say, well, I go to, you know, uh, life is different now. We all have two jobs and whatever else it might be. I think there are just there's some things that moms are wired for. Dads can let go mm-hmm. of certain things, and moms just have a harder time. Yeah, and it's just a different bond, I think, yeah. you know, that plays into that. Yep, and uh, that that's the way it should be. Dads tend less to worry than moms about their children facing certain hardships. This one's all, this section's on mom and dads. About half the moms say it's extremely important for their children to be accepting of people different from them as adults that's only a half <laughs> mm. half say it's important okay <laughs> well that's interesting i know what the other half are actually thinking on that one maybe they're not um about four in ten black and hispanic hispanic parents say being a parent is the most important aspect of who they are about 40 percent say that and I don't know now, again, you get into different cultural things and there's different there's different ways that cultures actually have adapted to family life. Mm-hmm. And and really, we think in America, our way is the way that, you know, things should be done. Uh, however, when I've traveled to other countries and spoken, I've been amazed at how close the families are. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine in, in one country I was in, the, the houses were about 10 by 10 and there were probably about 10 people in the house. Mm-hmm. And that's it. They all lived under one roof. They all lived there. And, you know, the, the kids were respectful. They were nice. They were well-dressed. Whenever I saw the father come out of that house, he had one set of clothes. The, the clothes were clean. They were actually ironed. And the floor in that place was dirt. Mm-hmm. And I, the whole time I'm in this area, I'm looking going, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you pull that off where, where you're clean? And your your clothes are ironed, and you look really sharp, and you have ten people living in a ten by ten space with dirt floors. 
Yeah. And and the children were happy and the parents were seemed to be ha- I mean, you look at that and you go, okay, so it's not money, it's not a big house, it's not a car. There, there's something else. And, and there was really fine lines of delineation on what people did. So dad did this, mom did this, children had certain roles that they had to fulfill. And, and so that's a little different than what our culture would be. When I came back home here, it was, was different. Dad didn't have the same role. Mom didn't have the same role. But they did down there, and they were healthy. Yeah. So I, I think it's important for us to look at our, our lives and some of the great value that comes from um, maybe some of our heritage that we've lost because we're in the middle of, of, of uh, the United States in the year 2023 when this is being recorded. Yeah. And I, I think that's good. You know, I would almost challenge parents, you know, take a week and, and just observe, you know, be intentional to like pause what you're doing, you know, so maybe put down your phone or just pay a little bit more attention or even write down in a journal and just observe like as a family, how you function, you know, so say you get up in the morning, what happens? Do you guys eat breakfast together or does everybody do their own thing? Right. What happens? Right. Then everybody goes off to work and school. All right. What happens when they come home? What time do they come home? Do they do things after school when they come home? Do you sit down as a family for dinner right. or does everybody grab and go? And then after that, what do they do? Do you actually spend time together as a family? You know, because I think, you know, and we, we touched on this earlier, but I think if you were to keep track of that, really the time as a family in our American culture is, is, is being stolen. Oh, absolutely. It's minimized. And, and I think it's, we're, we're being told that's the normal thing to do. Right. And I would say that that's not the normal thing to do. Well, we're actually letting somebody else raise our kids. Yeah. In, in, in respect. I mean, if if a fourth grader goes to school all day long, okay, yeah. all day long, when do they leave in the morning? Our, our, ours is our, we have to we have to leave our house at by seven thirty at the latest because they start at seven forty five. And when do they come home? We go pick them up at three. Okay, seven thirty to three. From that time period, the major influence in their life is not an adult; it's children. Yeah. There are some kids who come home and they play with kids until supper. Mm-hmm. Still, the major influence is children. Yeah. Then some go to supper, and after supper actually play with kids again or do their homework, they're still not being influenced by adults yet. Yeah. Because either they go by themselves and do their homework or they go play with their, their buddies again. Yeah. They're still the major influence. So what happens a lot of times is parents then come and they spend a few minutes with them and they think that's the major influence in their life. Mm-hmm. No, no. Hours of influence come from the actual hours of influence. Yeah. And when you look at it, you begin to say, okay, I need to step it up a little bit as far as how much time I actually influence my child mm-hmm. and do things. You know, I, I would love to see more parents, you know, kids come home from school and they go out and do something. I'd love to see more parents do it with them. Yeah. I mean, how fun would it be if you went out and you were playing ball or something with your kids and another parent came out with kids that age and was playing too? Mm-hmm. And now there's an interaction between adults and kids and and. and you know, it's kind of fun to be able to do that. And they're seeing people actually relate together. Absolutely. Um, we have one MBI student in particular who loves games. Mm. And I'm telling you, you could tell that his family spent a lot of time around a game table. Yeah. And and he loves it. He wants other people to know how to play games. He wants them to learn. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he did. He doesn't want them to watch. You know, he says, I can't watch a movie once in a while. But they should gather and play games and talk and that kind of thing. And I thought, good for you. Yeah. This is ingrained in him, and it's ingrained from his family. Right. So spend time with your kids. 
Yeah, you know, because that it's the relationship that lasts and the intentionality that lasts. And so take advantage of it. So I encourage you as you as you listen to our discussion, whether it was this episode or the previous one, or if you missed it, head over to silverbirchranch.org where you can re-listen to it. But I encourage you just to be intentional with it with your family, whether you have are parenting or not. You know, how are you investing in the lives of people? But for now, that's all the time we have. So thanks for joining us. This is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.